live this is in fact the beta test to our um the beta test to our new podcast series that we are calling reboot your biblical perspective yeah reboot your biblical perspective right joining me live on this podcast on this um on this new series of course would be Katura. <laughs> yeah. Give them a shout out there, Katura. Yes, so you guys will be familiar with me. I am Katura, also known as Kelly. Good family by the name Kelly Key on my Facebook profile. It's a pleasure to be here on this podcast series with you guys. I'm looking forward for all the cool stuff that we're going to find out and discover in this session in particular. In this session, we're actually going to do some, um, actually going to shed some light on the Genesis narrative. Now, I know you guys will be thinking, what's the big deal about the Genesis narrative? Because we were taught that it's um, basically the creation, the creation narrative. The chapters of Genesis, in particular, the first two give us insight into the creation of man, woman, things, nature, everything. But today, we're going to share something with you that you probably never heard before. Something that has more significance than you, than you ever thought it did. Hmm. So, Zane, what exactly about this narrative is so interesting? What well, is it that we're going to bring light to? Well, as you as as you actually began saying there, um, what we what we do know about what we have been taught about the narrative is that the narrative was designed to you know, give us insight into how God created the world. Yeah, um, we have actually been taught the Genesis narrative from the perspective of this this chapter, Genesis chapters one and two in particular. And even further in, into chapter three, but Genesis chapter the chapters one and two of the Genesis narrative has been viewed as um, a description of actually how God created the God created the heaven and the earth in seven days. Now, this perspective has been um, vehemently antagonized by the atheists and the those who actually. Um, represent what is known is now known as you know the science perspective, and um, there's been there's even been a division apparently, a a massive division of um, the Genesis now the the um, massive division of the theology from science, and those who believe in Genesis chapter one, 
in the current interpretation, they actually refer to them as creationists. And those who believe in the scientific aspect of it, they, they, have, they have actually separated themselves from that. And so there's this big discord going on. Um, what has actually taken place there is we have been taught this narrative from a perspective that has been very subjective. It's actually been a massive assumption of what the narrative actually looks like. Yeah, quite, quite crazy. In six days, he rests on the seventh day, you know, gives man dominion. What's the big deal? <laughs> right. That's what we have been taught. Like, that's just the beginning of mankind. Exactly. And with that in particular, we have a lot of the um as as I as I actually um as I actually have said before, what with with all of that, what we have is this big conundrum of is this where where the atheists and the scientists actually say that what that's saying there is not even possible because scientific evidence is actually now proving things differently. Um, one of the big revelations that we had, that I have had, and we have had, in reviewing the the Genesis narrative, is that the narrative was not actually about the creation of the cosmos. Right, big bummer, Say right? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in in our research, and um, we had in our research, as some of you would have actually, was as we explained even last night in in our life. In the in the live with regards to the objectives or our objectives as we go on go on here with regards to um, understanding the new man and how the new man functions, understanding what is God's perspective of the earth, what is the principle of the self-existence in all things, and how does that look? What does that look like? How do we interface with the spirit of God in all things? How do we interface with God as a son of God from the from the principle of the self-existence, and in reviewing all of those things, to actually to be able to understand that we had we, we had to re look into look into our interpretation of the Genesis narrative, our interpretation of the Bible, and um, that brought into light that well, we actually had to reference the ancient Israelite perspective of what this narrative is, what the narrative was designed to to, to look like. And what we came to the realization of is that the narrative was not meant was not meant to dictate the creation of the world. That is actually a strictly Western perspective. What is it, what it is in fact designed to do is to give a particular message um, to the inhabitants of the earth when it was rewritten by Moses. When it was written by Moses. And the narrative was pretty much designed to show Israel, the God of Israel, as the greatest God amongst all nations. Right? It was created in a cultural setting where nations would big build huge temples, which ziggurats. we know these ziggurats, yes. These huge temples that we now know as ziggurats. And um, these temples would represent the temple of the God. Now, the larger the ziggurat, apparently, within that time zone, Within that era, um, within those civilizations, the more powerful the nation looked, and so these these ziggurats were used as the temple of the god. And then you walk up all of these long stairs, mm -hmm. where, where you go to the image 
of where the god is a statue that represents what this god would look like in physical form and there you go and you do your your respective sacrifices and prayers and so on yeah and um moses actually wrote the genesis narrative to represent yahweh elohim as the greatest god amongst all the nations on the earth and so as the as being, being represented the greatest god he, he represented in the narrative that whereas their gods dwelt in these temples these large structures israel's god um the god that his fathers and abraham and isaac and jacob knew the god that apparently interfaced with Adam in the garden is actually the spirit of the entire earth. So the, the Genesis 9, Genesis chapter 1 in particular, chapter 1 and 2 is designed to demonstrate that the earth, the actual earth, heaven and earth, is the temple of God. That is so cool. So like, what, where, where do we find that in the scriptures? Like what, to, to our, our yeah. listeners right now, how would we direct them to understand what you're saying here? Well, first of all, there is um it is not stated outrightly, but what, what we what we what what we must do is actually look at the Bible holistically. And if we look at the Bible holistically, we would see patterns in the Bible. Okay. And so like what we what we know in the Bible as, as a pattern is that gen um Genesis, the gen the, the Garden of Eden in Genesis was or actually before we go into that, what well, I should say that one of the patterns that you see in, in the Bible is that the same seven days that God created the earth in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we created the temple. It's the same ceremonial seven days that was taken to inaugurate the tabernacle, which was a mobile temple of God. Right. And the same seven ceremonial days that was taken to inaugurate the temple. That was built by King Solomon. Oh, so you're seeing like a um, it's the same pattern that you're talking about is is multiplying itself basically. Exactly in the same pattern. In the same way, what what we also see is that gen the, the Genesis narrative was designed to show heaven and earth as God's temple, and then you have the tabernacle and the temple of of King Solomon that was built by King Solomon, referred to as heaven and earth also. Hmm. Okay, okay. Right. So, I mean, there is a lot of things that took place that caused the shift from the actual heaven and earth to be the temple, to be the physical structure being the temple, and that all came through what Adam did, which is not what we're going to be talking about here today. But what we would actually like to, to bring to, to light is, number one, that the narrative was designed to show God as the spirit of the temple, the temple is the actual creation, heaven and earth. Right? And man, in the same way, the, the, the nations of that era was, mm -hmm. the nations of that era were very accustomed to building these large structures and, and placing the, and placing the, um, the image of the God uh, at the top of these long stairs, sometimes hundreds of stairs, in the same way God indwelt 
the entire heaven and earth and created man as his image. So to interface with the spirit and the God of heaven and earth, you will interface with his image. So right? you're with saying that... Also known as his son. So you're saying that Adam was the interface for the entire earth, the creation. Yes. The, the, race, of, the race of Adam was, was actually designed to be the interface of the spirit of all heaven and earth. So you, okay. speak to the, you speak to the sun and you speak to the God of all heaven and earth. Okay. And um, there's a correlation of the Genesis narrative and John chapter 1. Are we going to be clearing that up in this session? Yeah, well, that's what we're here for today, right? To actually right. show. So what, 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 what we want to bring to light is not only that the, the narrative was designed for that, but um, one of the things that we, in the Western culture in particular, the Western church denominational perspective and doctrines that we have done is that we have postulated a lot in approaching these narratives. And so we read in Genesis chapter 1 where it says, God said, I think it was 26, it was 25 to 26, it says, God said, let us make man in our own image and likeness. And within the Western culture, what we have done is postulated who that us is. And so you have many denominational circles and many theologians that theorize that, that, that the us there would be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. I've heard that one. Yeah, not, not realizing that what they're doing is contradicting the Scriptures. And how are they contradicting the Scriptures? The, the translators for the Amplified actually put it like that as well. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's because of the... It's truly, it's truly the, the approved, quote-unquote approved, theological position of the seminaries and Western theology. Right? Um, but it actually contradicts the scriptures. And how does it contradict the scriptures? Because there was no Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in that context in the Genesis narrative. So what was there? <laughs> <laughs> That's my next question. If there's no Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, what was existing before? <laughs> well, what, what we see is that when Jesus was born, God said, this day I have begotten you. So to say there was Father, Son, Holy Spirit in Genesis narrative is to say that he was begotten in the, in the beginning. But when Jesus was born, he says, this day I have begotten you, which means mm. Jesus as Son of God did not exist in the Genesis narrative, which is going to rub a lot of theology wrong. It says, this day I have begotten you, um, which means that Jesus was born into the earth before, before the Spirit of God, before being born, he was not the Son of God. It was just... So in, in that context, we need to identify who are the persons in Genesis chapter 1. That is us. Because if Jesus was born centuries later, or millenniums later, thousands of years later, as the Son of God, and God said, this day I have begotten you in fulfillment of what was written in the Psalms, like in Psalms in Psalm 2. It says, this day I have begotten you, and you are my son. That was fulfilled. Therefore, the son did not exist 
in the context of son of God in the Genesis narrative. So that theological approach is very contradictory to the scriptures. Okay, it's a, so massive, it's a massive contradiction. Um, so what we need to find out is, okay, well, who in particular is us? And John in particular is the one, the Apostle John in chapters 1, verses 1 to 5, would be the one that really gives light. But again, it's not seen for what it is and related to, to the Genesis narrative. It is not related to the Genesis narrative in the way that it should. So, so let, let's take a look at what John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5 says. It, you, I mean, you want to read it for us, Kelly? Yeah, I'm on it. So it says, In the beginning, before all time, was the word Christ, and the word was with God, and the word was God himself. He was continually existing in the beginning, co-eternally with God. All things were made and came into existence through him. And without him, not even one thing was made that has come into being. In him was life and the power to bestow life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines on in the darkness and the darkness did not understand it or overpower it or appropriate it or absorb it and is unreceptive to it. Now, could you just read that with all the translators coming? So let's read it in the, K in the KJV just for the sake of eliminating the influence of the theological attributions to the, all right. to the excerpt. Let's do this. So it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything that was made. In him was life, and life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Yeah, so who are the two characters mentioned in, in that excerpt? Well, we're seeing here God and the Word. God and the Word, right? Now, that is actually John's, John's interpretation and John's, um, John's recounting of what took place in Genesis chapter 1, which obviously means that Jesus taught John this. Uh-huh. Right? Because as disciples, they are, they, they, their responsibility as his, as his disciples would have been to learn what he is actually saying and to learn it verbatim, which means what they are writing is not just off of memory, it's because of it, it is because they have they would have learned this and learned it verbatim, learned his teachings. So which means that Jesus taught this to them. And this is an interpretation of Genesis chapter one. Which means that John is actually saying in Genesis chapter one there are two there are two persons present, two characters. Okay. It is the Western theology that is actually that has tried to include three. And most of the times of and most of the times it's because of the references to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. They've used that to say, well, that there are three. But really and truly, if you understand which we cannot get into in this in, in this um in, in this in this um episode, but if you do understand the literary construct 
of the Hebrew text, you know that um, the Hebrew the Hebrew text in part of the literary construct and the, the, the literary tools of the Hebrew text would be what we know as couplets and triplets. Right, couplets here would be um, where something is stated twice as a parallel, mm -hmm. and then a triplet is where the same thing is actually stated three times, but in um, the first is a statement, and the other two would be specific for the speak for the sake of specificity and amplification. Okay. Right. A good example of that in scripture would be. Um, would be, for example, spirit and heart. Right? Um, spirit and heart meaning that the heart is actually in reference to the spirit. It's a couplet. Right. Um, sp spirit and spirit. Um, another one would be, for example, um, heart and mind. So what they're showing there is parallel. The first is the statement, and then the, the second would be the amplification or for, for the sake of specificity. What, what specifically they're referring to with regards to the heart. In the same way, we see the literary construct of the Hebrew. You know, even though it was translated from Greek, the New Testament is very much communicated within the Hebrew construct. Now, we don't know if it was originally written in Hebrew, um, or just the Greek, the Greek writers, they pretty much just um, uh, wrote these letters verbatim. But it's very likely that it was actually originally written in 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 Hebrew and then translated into Greek. And so, what we see with regards to the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit is that it is actually written in the same. In, in the same pattern of the literary construct of the Hebrew text, where and is used not as an aggregate in scripture. And for those listening, it's something that would very much change your scriptural perspective. We use the word and in English to mean like a fork and a spoon, a knife and a fork, meaning two things. So we use it as an aggregate. Whereas in the, in the Bible, the word and is not used as an aggregate in in a lot of cases it's used as an indication of the couplet of the parallel right which could come in words verses paragraphs chapters depending on what you're actually looking at and so what we see when he says to baptize in, in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit is literally three ways of saying the same thing with the father being being the, the being the stress, being the emphasis, whilst the Son and the Holy Spirit would be the Father, this the same Spirit of the Father functioning in different, in different ways, in different uh, presenting presented in different functions. Right, well, we, we see that in 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 the Gospel of John also, where Jesus actually says this: the Holy Spirit is doing it, then he says the Father is doing it because it's the same Spirit of the Father. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so what we see in Genesis chapter 1, what John is actually saying is in chapter 1 of Genesis, there are two characters, the fact they go, God and the wood. And if we go to the Genesis narrative, what we do see are those two characters, God and the Spirit of God. 
Okay. Yeah. So what we see is God speaks and the spirit is doing what God says. Right? As two persons. Now most persons wouldn't really, wouldn't really understand that because we do not understand the scriptures through the actual principle of the self-existent. Right? Which is another topic in, in, in and of itself. But sufficient to say that the two characters that we see in Genesis chapter 1 and, um, and chapter 2 would be God and his spirit. Okay, God and his spirit. Yeah, and what John is reflecting is that he's referring to the spirit of God as the word. So what, how we know that it is the same thing is because it actually says in Genesis chapter 1, um, in Genesis chapter 1, it is, it is communicated that Are you reading Genesis in the Amplified or the King James? You can read it in King James. Go ahead and, 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 and read it again, slowly. Um, Genesis or John? J John. All right. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So what, what that is actually saying, you know, is what that is, what that is communicating is that God and his spirit is the same God. Okay. But in the context of the, gen of, of, of the narrative, the same God is taking on two different functions. Right? Okay. Okay, go ahead. The same was in the beginning with God. So there we see that the same spirit was in the beginning with God. Uh-huh, that makes sense. And also was God. <laughs> okay. Right? Now, we see, we use the word God here. Um, we use the word God here loosely, but what it means, what we say God, we, what we're referring to is Elohim. Right? Go ahead. When you say, when you say Elohim, Elohim, what is the function of Elohim there? The function of Elohim there would be in the context of a judge or a magistrate, an authority. Okay. Right. Go ahead. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, this is the word that you're speaking about. And if we Which relate is... that to Genesis narrative, we see that the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And God himself, and God said, Let there be light. And the spirit formed light. Ah, right, right, right. So we're seeing that. Okay, so I have Genesis here in the King James. Let's just watch the parallels now mm -hmm. um, to what you're saying. So in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And by and the... the uh, uh, sorry, and by the way, you said in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. But we have we have also seen the word created there to mean you know formed from nothing, but the word that is translated created there, which is the Hebrew word bara, does not mean to be formed from nothing, it means to make fat. Which which is which in an, in another way of saying to fill. 
So it is actually saying that in the beginning, God filled the heaven and the earth. Right, right. And I was so honest. And, <laughs> sorry, and then verse 2 says, um, Oh, before we go to verse 2, what I was going to say is that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth is actually the like the title and not necessarily the verse 1 of right. yeah. Genesis 1. It, 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 is, it is arguably um, is arguably in the original Hebrew text. Um, some of the some of the versions of the Tanakh, which is the Hebrew word for the old for the for, for the Old Testament, which is for the scriptures, Genesis chapter one, what we think is verse one of the chapter where the narrative begins, it is arguably the title of the chapter. So the chapter really starts at verse two. Right. Uh, so let's see. Verse 2, and I'm going to keep in mind what you mentioned concerning the couplets and the triplets. So as we right. go along, we'll identify them. And the earth was for, sorry, and the earth was without form. And then we have and void. And right. uh -huh. darkness was upon the face of the deep. So then we see there that without form and void, mm -hmm. it's, it's, all, it's actually a parallel. So the earth was void. What is it void of? Then we see in verse a, oh. a confirmation of what it is void of in verse three. All right. So it was that was. Let me just get back where I was reading, and it was form and without without void, without form and void. Sorry, and darkness was upon the face of the deep Pause. and the spirit. And then what we see there is without form and void. That's a parallel. And then the second half of the verse says, and darkness is upon the face of the deep, which is paralleling form and void with darkness. Gotcha. Right? So it's void, and that is being referred to as darkness. What is it filled with? Go ahead. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said? And God said, let there be light. Pause. And there was light. Sorry. So if God <laughs> said, no, no, if Paul said, let there be light, and there was light, and the earth was without form and void, which is darkness. Then mm -hmm. the elimination of darkness means that the earth is now is no more is no longer void; it is now filled. Right. It is. It is in form. It, it is now given. It is now being given form, and it is now filled, which confirms that the what is arguably the title of the chapter Genesis chapter one verses one. But uh, does not mean create from nothing. It is just in the context of the narrative indicating that the, the heaven that God filled the heaven and the earth. And he filled the heaven and the earth by saying, Let there be light, and there was light, which means the earth was void of the spirit of God. Without form okay. and void of the spirit. And the right. absence of the spirit from the heavens and the earth equal darkness. Okay, that's what John was saying in, in the beginning was to and the word was with God. So he's uh -huh. referring to the spirit, which the spirit is light. Right. And then as you follow on chapter one of the narrative, which I mean we can't go through all of that here today, but as you follow on in the in the in the in the context of the narrative, what we see is the same word that he's calling the spirit, which is pretty much confirmed by the prophet Isaiah in chapter 55, verse 11. It says, My word. What is it saying? Isaiah 55 verse 11. Can you read it for us? 
Sure, let me get it. Isaiah. It is interesting how you know we've actually viewed this and skewed, twisted the perspective of the scriptures. And clearly for John to start narrating that in chapter one, clearly these are things that Jesus explained to them concerning the Genesis narrative. And from the comprehension of Genesis narrative, he understood God from the Genesis narrative and taught it to the disciples and they also understood it because they this referred is, it many times. This is so cool because understanding this um, gives a lot more context to what God is, where he is, what is light, what is spirit, what is darkness. <laughs> what is darkness, like yeah. Everything. What so is Isaiah? darkness indeed? Uh -huh. Isaiah 55, I'm going to read it in the, I think I have it in the King James, yes. So I shall agree. my word, uh -huh. so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. And that right there is the same it's um, a mirror of what took place in Genesis chapter 1, where God and his word, which is what John is referring to in his recount of, or his narration of, of, or his version of the narrative of Genesis chapter 1, where the prophet Isaiah identifies God's spirit as his word. And it, does, and it goes on and does not return to him void. Um, and it goes out, it, it goes out to accomplish that which he desires. An interesting fact is that all of the commands in Genesis chapter 1 is also, is also um, spoken in what, in what is identified today grammatically as the voluntative mood. Now, we do not have the voluntative mood in the English. In English, we don't use the voluntative mood. The voluntative mood is a tense that is actually used or a mood that is that is used to stay within the the, the realm of the the definition it is a mood that is used to express desire which means it was not an imperative command as somebody saying sit down stand up it was really a desire it is communicating let there be light means god desired light and okay. there was light. Wow, that's pretty yeah. com pretty complex. Yeah, the it, ancient it, Hebrew. Right. So what, what we see is that the word, it is actually a confirmation of what Isaiah says. Um, and you can research these things, but it's a confirmation of what Isaiah says, that it goes forward, to go, the word goes out, goes forth to, to accomplish that which God desires. Right, so John in particular is also reflecting that. So when we see in Genesis chapter 1, coming down to verse 20, 25, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, it says, let us make man. It is not three persons in the Genesis narrative. There are only two. God and the word, God and the spirit. And it is the same spirit, which is the word that came upon the Virgin Mary. 
the virgin woman and mm -hmm. impregnated her and was born into flesh and was called the son of god it is in that in that, in that context that john is actually saying that the word became flesh so to say to say that the son of god to refer to the son of god in genesis narrative is also to contradict what john says when he says the word became flesh so the word was not the son of god in the genesis narrative the word became the son of god by being born as a man and referring and actually having the context of being born a son a son of man so god now has a son a physical son right again so that brings that brings us to the genesis narrative that says let us that is god and his word okay. god and his Ooh. spirit nice so okay so that's understandable i'm sure for those who are or those who are tuned in those who will listen so the next part that we're going to identify is so when it says in verse 3 all things were made by him and without him was not anything that was made the him here is referring to the spirit which the is spirit. what he mentioned in verse 2 okay right. and in in him was life and the life was the light of men yeah and which so, is which is which is also reflected sorry is going to say something no go ahead yeah so yeah, or that in particular is reflected true in him was life and when the spirit filled the heavens and the earth you notice that god spoke to the land to the earth and it said mm -hmm. the earth produced says, let the earth produce and then the following verses parallels it by saying and god created so the spirit of god filled the earth and god speaks to the earth but he's not speaking to the earth in itself he's speaking to the spirit of god in the earth and it produces which is what he's referring to as his, as in him was life and then in the creation of adam and eve sorry well, before they were not referred to as adam and eve it was just adam the both of them adam the race of adam the species the race um what what we do see in the genesis narrative is that in it says in him was life and the life was a light of men and the same when god said let us it says and god blew into the nostrils of the man uh -huh. which is which is a reflection of the spirit of god hovering over the surface of the waters so if you follow the context of the chapter of the narrative you'll see that the same spirit was hovering over the world is the same spirit that was blown so in other words what john is saying is that the spirit in man was actually the word that was blown into them the same spirit of god was blown into them Does he creating say creating all men before yes. bef sorry sir is that the same breath that jesus blew when he said receive the holy spirit yeah, well, Jesus in particular, being the Word, made flesh, without the corruption of what the Adam did by making his decision, which we are not going to get into here today. When Jesus resurrected, Jesus became the last Adam, the next Adam in line, the Adam of the new of the new man, the new man that is no longer called Adam. The new man is now called Jesus. The new man is now Christ Jesus. And what he did was the same thing. 
that God did. He blew. He breathed. It says that Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so that is reflected not only on Jesus blowing or breathing upon them, but he told them that it would to actually wait for the promise of the Father in the upper room and the Spirit in a mighty Russian wind breathed on, into them. So what we what we what you're referring to there is is really reflected where the first Adam was created like that, made their own decisions, forsook mm -hmm. for they forsook their, their, their place in the garden, um, and then Jesus rectifying it returns and he is now in the name of God blowing upon man again and breathing his spirit back into men. So that so is so interlinked. Every, everybody is now back in full. Christ Jesus. <laughs> that makes sense. And a lot of people are not aware of the the the, the link that you just the the dots that you just made with the Genesis narrative and then what Jesus did by blowing right. the breath. Yep. And so well that actually brings us to the objective of the first session, the first episode here which is identifying the persons in Genesis chapter 1. So we know that let us is actually God and his spirit. Mm -hmm. And um, we in Christ now are pretty much father and son, as father is God. We are now his spirit. And then we have been made in as the seed of God, which is very interesting, which, no, which we're not going to get into here today. But as the seed of God, what we are basically is just as, to, to understand the context of seed um, in the Genesis narrative, the seed was designed. Is, is the seed is designed? It was um, the seed was designed in, in in Genesis chapter one to reproduce after its own kind. So John, the same John that is speaking about that again, John is only speaking about what what Jesus taught them, and so he taught them, which is reflected in in in, the, in his first letter which is reflected in his first letter, he says he refers to, to man as the, as God's seed. And so what you see there is that the sons of God are now a reproduction after God's own kind. And um, now that places you in the position of God and the Spirit of God proceeds from you in the same way that the Spirit proceeds from Father himself. See how that flows? Yeah. So we are Elohim. We are Elohim in Christ Yeshua. The new race, which is the new, the new first race was, was referred to as Adam. The second race, now the new race, the new man is now Christ Yeshua. So it's now a race of Christ Yeshua. All right. And this is pretty cool. The Bible does hold a lot more than we thought it did. It's not just yeah. as we thought it was just giving us like history and a sequence of events that we could follow. Now we're seeing why you always mention how mechanical it is. It is it is one scripture and one message. The message hasn't changed. It's unfortunate though that um it has been misinterpreted through the fanciful interpretations of the Western perspective. Um, the, fan the fanciful interpretations that have been completely 100% independent of 
100% independent of the um of the of the ancient Hebrew perspective of the narrative. It's unfortunate, but it is as you see here is one script here, and Jesus was in fact fulfilling what God promised that would would, would be fulfilled when those promises were made even when he was actually speaking to Adam after his decision. Awesome. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, so, I mean, what, what, what is your opinion of that coming out of, like, you, you in particular, you came out of the Seventh-day Adventist um, world and realm, right? How does that compare, just for the sake of, those who are who are listening, how does that compare to the to the um how does that how, how does that formal perspective compare to what we know now? Well this is really deep, right? Um what first and foremost I'm hearing a slight echo in the background. What I have been taught concerning the Genesis narrative in no form or fashion is what is mentioned, what was mentioned here today. Um, I think, I cannot remember the exact doctrine, but I was thought, and I'm sure many others can relate, to read the Bible through the lens of just getting information and not, as we teach here in the Institute, understanding how this information literally pertains to your construct. It's like your mechanics. Like I never saw the Bible as a manual for living. And this is something that I have learned um, in my time with you and also studying that literally it is a manual for living. So beginning with Genesis, um, the manual starts right there. And once I was able to comprehend the link between God the spirit, spirits of the earth, which is God, it all makes more sense for me now. And um, this is something that I guess you all, the listeners, would learn as you go along. Once you understand these spiritual mechanics, which we are breaking down into itty-bitty bite pieces so that nobody gets lost or anything, it literally changes um, what you think your function is. So you would have heard us said, you are Elohim, and all of that that we have related before comes out of this, out of what is mentioned here in Genesis. So for me, what I have learned concerning Genesis, and not only Genesis, but what we have um, connected the dots to throughout the scriptures, is literally like a sword in my hand. It's mm. a very, very powerful tool. Something very instrumental for living something instrumental for functioning and literally as it says in genesis where um darkness was upon the face of the the earth i'm just being really frank here prior to understanding that that's where i stood in darkness not in the light so yeah. darkness was upon the face of my life so to speak because literally, once you don't have an understanding of what light is, then you are in darkness, objectively. Yeah. And um, comprehending these, these mechanics, 
now gives a clearer understanding for me how I can systematically stay in the light and function from the light and not step back into the darkness right. and not be void of spirit, which is right. void of. Because another thing I want to add is that the context of the word, we have been using this word very flippantly um, within especially the Christian denominational circle um, with be encouraged to read the word, ponder on the word. Um, it's, it's a word that literally has lost its flavor and its savor because the context of word has been misplaced. And so we think the word is just meditating on the scriptures and, you know, praying and, and all of these things. And we miss the function of the word and what we are how we are made the word. And um, I just want to be brief when I say this, that the what has been thought concerning like the word and we be in the light of the earth has a very, very, very abstract approach. What I have learned is that the ancient Hebrews perspective was very concrete. So where we imagine the word they relate the word to something very concrete that their five senses can experience. And we not having that experience leaves us in, in our imaginations and then relating that abstract thought to God, if that makes sense. Right, right. So I said all of that to say that this, um, what we shared here with, and what you elaborated on here with the listeners, I pray that it helps to bring some context to the Genesis narrative, although we have not divulged much, um, mm -hmm. we're now beginning. Once you start to look at it through the lens of functionality, the Genesis narrative will start to make more sense in your life. Yeah, and, and, and um, it, 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 it not only makes more sense in life, but also it gives a the present this the present um interpretation western interpretation of the scriptures because of how it is in seen as the creation of the cosmos and all of that it robs the average christian of understanding god's perspective mm -hmm. concerning the earth concerning you concerning what you are how you are made up and how you function and that's so important to understand. Otherwise, you feel like you're just merely existing and then just right. ceasing to exist. <laughs> and then everything becomes mystical because uh -huh. the Genesis narrative, which was designed to give you an idea, a very clear understanding as to what God's perspective is concerning you and your construct and how you work and how you function and how, how things function in Him and what Jesus came to do. You really don't understand what Jesus really came to do apart from the cliché the clichés actually of well he died for me I ask yourself the question what did he die for you to do for what did you what exactly did he die for you for exactly like what in particular has that changed and you may say well you remove sin what is sin mm -hmm. what is different from before he came like what exactly 
specifically what changed on the earth? What, what factor did he come to correct? These things through the present perspective, the Western perspective of, of um, the Western perspective of the Genesis narrative through the creation of the cosmos and all of that has robbed the present-day Christian and the Western believer of understanding these things. Like, what did Adam cause? Which means we can't get into that, of course, in all of this. What did Adam yeah. do? Like, one of the comments from, 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 from our holy brother, Vince Allen, here actually says, well, he says, if that's the case, that's why the, then why the Ark Temple Mobile Tabernacle? And that's an awesome question. But to understand that, you need really, we really need to understand now, what did Adam do? Yeah. What, what changed? What exactly changed? Because it is commonly taught, you know, that he ate the fruit and he disobeyed God. But I challenge that perspective because if God, um, if God created the Adam, then why would God, and Adam is created in perfection, then why then would God actually have the necessity to command Adam to give him a command and say, don't eat of the tree? Because if you're actually telling, if you're telling someone or you're giving somebody a law and a rule, indirectly what you are saying is that they are imperfect. Mm -hmm. Laws and rules only come about when there is the presence of its opposite. That's another question I'm sure some of our viewers would, would have as well. Um, this is something I questioned from very young as well. Why? Because a lot of people would say, well, God knew Adam was going to eat anyway from the tree. Why did right. he put the tree there in the first place? <laughs> all of those questions. Why was all the serpent those, in the garden? <laughs> all of those questions arise. And there are no answers because of the perspective of the narrative. Yeah. The perspective of the narrative robs the Western believer of really understanding these things. Like, um. Why, as you put it there, just now, why, is, why did God put the serpent in the garden? Now, because of the perspective of the, the garden, the cosmos, imagine in the very narrative that says in the beginning, God created, God filled. Well, in the beginning, if we look at it from the, in the beginning, then who or what gives the Western, the Westerner, the right? to try to fill in to the very narrative that is designed to give you a clear understanding of the beginning, who or what gives the Westerner the right to insert that there was a beginning before the beginning mm, okay. by saying that Satan got thrown down into the garden. Where, where are you justifying that? Like, How can you take the, 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 the text that is actually designed to show you where and what things are, and then you decide you want to incorporate all of these Western perspectives of the fallen angels came down and in the garden. No, all of the Western ideas, the fanciful ideas, like who gives you the right to take the narrative in its purest form? Because Jesus himself had to understand as somebody who is studying the scriptures and then put all of these these theories. It makes sense? It makes perfect sense. Yeah, and and I mean, coming back to what we were saying, uh, because of that, the Westerner cannot understand 
cannot even begin to comprehend. Uh, when Adam made his decision, what happened? When God said, the earth is cursed because of you, what does that mean? What caused that? How is that possible? Like, and what does that look like? Yeah, it's like, what's this relation to the earth? Yeah, and what the, is that? <laughs> these are questions that if you really want to understand how you were designed or function, your purpose as, as a reproduction of Christ, the race of Christ, these are questions that you have to get answers to. Without them, objectively speaking, you may be talking Christ and not living him. Exactly. You know about him, and that's pretty much where the line draws. And so the yeah. purpose of of, mm -hmm. of walking through these, um, walking, well, this podcast is one of, this is the first series of many series to come where we would be elaborating on different misconceptions in the Bible, in the Bible and um, especially clearing up the, the perspectives that we have adopted from the Western culture. And for those of you who are hearing this for the first time, the Hebrew culture, the Hebrew language is not at all related to what we understand here in the Western world. And in order for you to understand objectively what the scriptures are about it's about functionality it's, it's about being concrete we have to take a trip back into what the authors originally were trying to um, to illustrate and demonstrate in their writings and this is what we're doing here so these questions about the serpents and the relation of adam and the earth and everything like that Believe you me, it's very, very, very important to understand that before you can start to function as Elohim. As Elohim. Yeah, so um, as, Kelly just, as Kelly just put it, not to, um, not to repeat what she said, but just, just for all of you, in, um, this, this, this episode, which is actually the first episode out of Re the, the, our, this podcast series that we are referring to as Reboot Your, your Biblical Perspective. Reboot Your Biblical Perspective. Reboot the system. Um, this is the first out of many, and we are actually using the Private Members Club here to the, in the spirit of what was communicated in our announcements and updates last night, we are using the, the, the Private Members Club here today to run it as a beta test because we're using StreamYard to do this um to run it as a beta a, a beta a beta test to see the efficiency of StreamYard, what 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 it looks like i would like to formally and public to actually publicly thank our holy sister tonya uh, i hope i'm pronouncing her last name woodkey correctly because tonya was the one that communicated the use of StreamYard to me and I saw I used it and it was working well. And Tonya, thank you so much for, for actually suggesting it. Yes, thank you, Tonya. She's such a darling. Yeah, it um it is working very well, nicely for, for our purposes. And um that's all thanks to, to you and the spirit in you. So thank you for communicating that. Um and I would also like to let you all know that this is the as I said, the beta test, the first episode of the reboot, the biblical perspective. And this series would be, would actually 
community uh, would actually continue on the on the platforms that I communicated last night on Patreon. So I will post my Patreon profile in the Private Members Club very very soon. And once you come into the Patreon profile, you would I will add you to a community, an online community, on a community called Discord. That's D-I-S-C-O-R-D, Discord, which is something like Facebook, but a lot more organized than Facebook. You can come in there. And um, as, as, as was mentioned last night, the Patreon platform, it actually provides us with the opportunity of having patrons so you can follow us and support us financially as we do this to help the body of Christ. And depending on the membership that you choose, you will have access to these podcasts. They will be posted there. This podcast in particular will be posted there um, for the members of on the Patreon site and the Discord community. Right? This will not be going public right now, so this would be specific to, to those persons in that community. So we encourage you to join us there. Um, we will, of course, as if, if, if you took a look at the video last night, we would, of course, have... There, it comes with a lot of benefits, and you would, of course, be assisting us to continue doing this, and to be to 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 continue doing this and to continue doing this um, full time, so that we can not only help you but we can help the body of Christ build a community and equip the community through the knowledge of of um, the pneumatology of Christ. Right, all that we have actually been, been um, all that all all that we have done so far and 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 verified so far has actually come through, you know, the comprehension of the Genesis narrative, and this is just the first of this series, or this podcast series called "Reboot Your Biblical Perspective." All right, so on that note, um. Kelly, would you like to leave any blessings with our listeners? Sure, always. Uh, first, I'd like to thank our listeners who came on. We love each and every one of you, and I just want to shout out a few. Our dear sister, Odelia, Tanya, Vince, Cheryl, we love, we love you all, and even those who are going to pop on later. And in the name, the function of Yeshua, I speak life into everything that you do and wisdom intelligence the spirit of god will open up your understanding in an in an extraordinary way so that you each and every person who listens who comes into contact with this podcast and um, the others that we will be doing that the understanding that you will receive will change your life without any delay and you all will begin to function with every piece of new information that you receive, that you begin to function as Elohim. And so be it. Amen. Be blessed. Each and every one of you. All right. Um, All right. We, we, we look forward to, to those of you who would, to those of you, yeah, to those of you who will be joining us on, on, um, on Patreon. And on Discord, on the Discord community, we look forward to you all. 
worked um, there, and also we we look forward to the intimacy of the of 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 the community to help you grow and manifest as Elohim. And we are very not exaggerating about that to manifest as Elohim. All right. So blessings and much love, holy siblings. This brings us to the end of this episode. We thank you again. And um, we look forward to your presence in the upcoming episodes. Boom. Much love and peace. I'm Bodo. <laughs>